0: Congratulations, Nations Church, on one amazing, supernatural, glorious year. Come on, let's just give it up for Jesus this morning. Lord, we give you all the praise and all the glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I want to just go ahead and tell you right up front, you could probably hear it in my voice. I'm a little bit under the weather. Um, I know I sound horrible. I feel fine. But I'm going to push through this morning because this is a very, very special day. And um, for those of you that might be visiting, maybe you're here for the first time or you're new to nations, this is going to be a little bit of an unusual service because this is kind of like a family gathering here. And we are really celebrating all that God has done And it's going to be a lot of reminiscing and it might be a little bit sentimental, but how many of you know it's good sometimes to look back and to thank God for what he's done and to celebrate the victories and to stop and smell the roses and to gain courage from that to go forward for another season, amen? We need to celebrate victories in Jesus' name. I'm looking around here and there's so many incredible um, guests and visitors, people that have come from all over the the state the nation even the world to be here i want to welcome all of you that have come from out of town and thank you Um, we have people like nathan morris who preached last night at the revive orlando gatherings nathan is here love you nathan roy fields is here roy led worship at revive nights a couple nights ago it's great to have you with us roy jerry hill the the um, wife of the late steve hill is here jerry we love you so much And, um, you know, it's always dangerous when I start acknowledging people like that because I'm bound to miss many of you. But let me just say to everyone who's taken the time and the effort to be here, thank you so much. We love you. You know, when you um, sit in a room like this and you hear somebody say, Nations Church is one year old today, and you look around at what is happening, and you realize that actually this is the second service The second packed service this morning. You know, this, this is impossible. This doesn't happen. You know that, right? And yet it's happening. And there's only one explanation. It's not me. I didn't do this. I promise you. Yes, God has brought an amazing team together, and our pastoral team, I think, is the best. Seriously, I'm not just saying this. We have the best pastoral team I've ever seen in any church anywhere on the planet. And yet, even with the most amazing team in the world, you can't make this happen. This is the Lord. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And even though Nation's Church is only officially a year old, the vision and the word and the burden for this go back a lot farther than a year, as you can imagine. It goes back, well, it goes back to before the foundation of the world because it's in the heart of God. But as far as I'm concerned, Russ, I remember when we were teenagers. Where's Russ Benson? There he is. I've known Russell Benson, the executive pastor here at Nation's Church. Russ, just stand. I I love to embarrass Russ. Russ and I have been best friends uh, since I was 14 years old. We met at a Burger King. And we were touched in revival together. I, I can remember days, Russ, I'm sure you remember this, sitting in your room praying and hearing the Lord speak about things that were coming and weeping as teenage boys about what we heard the Lord saying. And can I tell you, we saw this. The Lord showed this to us all those years ago before any of this stuff had come to pass. I think back even, you know, to to a year ago and a year and a half ago when I was having some of the preliminary meetings with different ones of you that are in this room, I remember sitting with uh, Scott Howe, who's the creative arts pastor. Where's Scott? Is he in here? There's Jackie, his wife. Just wave, Jackie. So... I remember, there's Scott in the back of the room, I remember meeting with Scott, I think it was at a Longhorn Steakhouse, and Scott had a, a, a wonderful ministry at the time that he'd been building with Jackie for years, and I shared the vision for Nations Church, and they both jumped in with both hands and both feet, and, and said, yes, we want to help build this thing. And I remember talking to Levi Stewart, who is, at the time he was working for Christ for All Nations, and um, on an unrelated project for a couple of years, Levi had been working on a, um, some research looking at the best discipleship models in the world. And we had no, at, at that time, Nations Church wasn't even in the, the works, but we were studying discipleship models. And then when the Lord put the vision for the church into our hearts, I called Levi I said, I don't know anybody in the world that knows more about discipleship than you. I need you to come be the discipleship pastor. And Levi, at that time, he had a dream in his heart to be a chaplain in the Navy. And he laid that dream down and said, yes, this is what God is calling me to do. And, you know, I could go down the list. Travis Hunter was probably the first person to mention to me the idea of a church plant. At that time, I I wasn't welcomed. I'm like, I, I don't think I said it to him, but I thought, shut up, you're crazy. I got too much to do already. I don't need another project. But then when when I felt like the Lord spoke, he was one of the first people. I said, Travis, guess what? You were right. And we're going to see God do amazing things. And I, I just, you know, I'm so thankful for each and every one of you. Every one of those of you that are on the pastoral staff, you have worked so hard. Those of you that are members of this church, you have no idea how hard this team works. They work day and night. They, they work a lot of hours they don't get paid for. They, they do a lot of things they don't get recognized for. Again, I've been out of commission for most of this first year. I'm not the one that did this. There is an incredible, incredible team. And then there's all of the volunteers, we call you the dream team, that have been working around the clock, talented, dedicated, loyal, committed. In fact, if you're on the dream team, if you're, if you're one of the volunteers that's worked At some point over the last year, I want all of you to stand so we can recognize you. Come on, will you put your hands together for these amazing men and women? We honor you. We love you. We appreciate you. And uh, we could not have done this without you. And there are many more that obviously aren't here this morning that we can't recognize. But the Lord knows. And I just pray... A very special blessing on all of those of you that have sown in any way into the life of Nations Church. What's happening is truly historic, and I pray the Lord will bless you richly in return. So if you'll humor me and indulge me just a couple of moments longer while I wax nostalgic, I have asked our media team to put together a short video montage that has some of the sights and sounds that have happened in the last year. And I want you to remember as you watch this, these are not clips from the last 20 years. These are clips from the last 12 months. And when you see all that God has done, and there's so much more, this is only a small, small fraction, you will have to recognize that this is what the Lord has done. So let's watch it together. God I want I want to go deeper I want to go higher I want to go further thank you for what you've done but I'm hungry for more. Who in the room this morning longing for more of Jesus? See his lesson is learn of me. His secret has come to me. His wisdom is Himself. His way is Himself. His truth is Himself. God's final statement is Jesus Christ. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing. But I want to remind you, we serve the living God. We serve the living God. And He has come to save. He's come to heal. He's come to deliver. Hallelujah! multitudes of evangelists coming, being drawn, that there was a clarion call from heaven by the Holy Spirit that they would come to this region in order that God could set them ablaze and take them to the nations of the world. Praise the Lord. How can your heart be filled with anything but gratitude when you see that? How many donuts are eaten? Incredible. You know, the last year has been um, not only an exciting year and a, a wildly successful year in many ways. It's also been... For many of us, the most difficult year of our lives. Isn't it interesting how that happens? Often the highest highs and the lowest lows come together in life. And it seems like life is a continually repeating cycle of mountaintop experiences and then immediately followed by valleys. Highs immediately followed by lows. Victories that are immediately followed by new challenges and new battles to fight. And that's part of life. You see it in the life of Jesus even. Remember Jesus in the waters of the Jordan. He hears the Father speaking, saying, This is my Son, in whom I'm well pleased. The heavens open. The Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove. It was the highlight of his life up to that moment. His earthly life. And then immediately Luke says in the next verse, He comes out of the waters of the Jordan and he's driven by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Great victories followed by great battles that are followed by great victories that are followed by great battles. And as the cycle repeats over and over throughout life, you know, I'm not an old man, but I'm old enough now to have lived through several of these iterations. And I'm old enough to have seen that each time we emerge We come forth like gold tried by the fire. And there's a deeper appreciation for the grace and the goodness of God. And there's a deeper love for him. And there's a deeper confidence in his goodness and in his faithfulness. And the longer we live, the more we can sing the words to that song, All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. That is truly my testimony. You know, this last year has felt like 10 years to me. I'm a different person today than I was when we launched the church a year ago. I've been broken. I've gone through hell. Does anybody else know what I'm talking about? Anybody experienced this before? Some of you might still be in the midst of it. But I have good news for you. the same God that brought us through all those other storms and all those other battles, the same God whose promises have come to pass time and time again, His word is still true, and He will bring you out in Jesus name. And that's what I want to talk about tonight this morning. Is that okay? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel, sorry, chapter 7. 1 Samuel, chapter 7. We're going to read about 10 verses here. But before we do that, I want to give you a little context. And I won't take long. Actually, I feel like I could take all of my time today just talking about the context to this passage because it's so rich as all of these Bible stories are. We're reading here about a story in which the nation of Israel at the time, has fallen into one of its cycles of depravity, idolatry. They are worshiping Baal. They are worshiping Astra, They are going to the high places and the groves. And it's a nation rife with idolatry and corruption. In fact, the corruption was so exhaustive that it had gone to the very highest and lowest places. Even the priesthood itself had become corrupt. The Bible tells us there was a a high priest leading the nation by the name of Eli. And Eli had two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. The Bible calls these men worthless men. Anybody ever met a worthless man? And it tells us why they deserved such a title. They were men who had no fear of God. They desecrated the tabernacle. People would bring sacrifices and Hophni and Phinehas would steal the meat that was meant to be sacrificed. They would take it for themselves. The Bible says they were fornicating within the walls of the tabernacle, right there in the presence of the Almighty God. No fear of God. No conscience, no morals. And as you read through 1 Samuel, you know, it's, a, it's another one of those books. You know, we talked about Esther last week. I love the book of Esther. It's, it's an amazing read. 1 Samuel is just like that. It's just filled with this rich depth of just layers and layers of, of, of meaning. One of the things you, you see in the text is that Eli, he's described as a fat man. Why are you looking at me like that? The author is not trying to pick on Eli for his obesity, but what the author is trying to show you is something interesting because the Bible says that Eli, even though he's not doing the same things that his sons are doing, he won't stop them from doing it either. He's looking the other way. And you realize if you put the pieces together, what's happening? The boys are stealing food and Eli is fat. You know what it means Even though he's not stealing the food, he's benefiting from the corruption. And because he's benefiting, it makes him hesitant to do what he needs to do. And so God holds him accountable also. You see other things. For example, it says that Eli was having problems with his eyes. His vision was bad. And then a few verses later, it says, that there was no widespread vision in the land and that the word of the Lord was exceedingly rare in Israel. In other words, that condition of the leader of the leadership had filtered down to the common people, to the ordinary people. There was a famine of the presence of God, a famine of the word of the Lord. The nation was in darkness. David said, if, if, You are silent unto me. I am like those that go down into the pit. Without his voice, without his light, there is no light. So here in the midst of this very dark season, through a strange series of events, a new character is introduced to the story. It's a little boy. Do you know his name? Samuel. Samuel is such an interesting character because We know that later on, God uses him in mighty ways as a grown-up. But as a little boy, his mother gives him to Eli. He becomes property of the tabernacle. And he's growing up in this corrupt environment. His brothers are Hophni and Phinehas. His father is Eli. And yet in the midst of that corruption, he manages to maintain a sweetness about him and a tenderness, and a purity. He's not corrupted by the environment in which he lives. It's an amazing story. And even though there is no widespread vision, and the word of the Lord is rare, the Lord speaks to Samuel, and he hears the Lord. And the scripture, as it's describing the the horrible, dark events in Israel, several times the author is careful to tell us this, Samuel was growing talk last time about Esther remember anytime the enemy is moving anytime satan is working god has already put his solution in place you might not see it yet it might still be in its infancy it might be developing and growing but god is at work samuel is growing there in the the tabernacle things went from bad to worse the philistines they increased their attacks on israel finally they Managed to steal the Ark of the Covenant. Hophni and Phinehas got killed by the Philistines. Eli, when he hears the news, he falls off his chair and breaks his neck. For the next 20 years, Israel is in a season of spiritual famine. And then it's time for this man that God has called, named Samuel, to emerge and arrive on the scene. It's been a long season of development But finally, the day comes for him to be revealed. I want you to know some of you have been in a long season behind the scenes of being developed by the Lord for a purpose. This church, you know, I told you, it looks like an overnight success, but it was many, many years of the word of the Lord growing in many different ways. And then suddenly you see it manifest and it's amazing It looks to the world like an overnight success, but you know the truth. There's been a gestation period. And so, Samuel now, we're going to read here. 1 Samuel chapter 7. We'll begin reading in verse 3. So Samuel said to all the Israelites, If you are returning to the Lord with all of your heart, then rid yourselves of the foreign gods and the ashtaroths and commit yourself to the Lord and serve him only and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. See, this is the eternal prophetic cry. A lot of times we hear preaching that says, you can do it. Everything's going to be okay. Don't worry about all of the struggles. God's going to help you. The best is yet to come. Sometimes we need to be encouraged, but the reality is this. That the word of the prophet is not just that things are going to get better. It's repent. Turn back to the Lord with all of your heart. And he will help you. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Turn from their wicked ways and seek my face. I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sins. I'll heal their land. And so, the Bible says that in response to this preaching, the people put away their bales and their asterisks and serve the Lord only. But listen, whenever you begin to turn to the Lord, you are poking a hornet's nest. Whenever you begin to obey the word of the Lord, there's someone who's not going to be happy about it, and that's the enemy. And don't declare war and expect Peace. This is what happened. Samuel said in verse 5, Assemble the is- all of Israel together at Mizpah, and I will intercede for you. When they assembled at Mizpah, they drew water and poured it out before the Lord. On that day they fasted, and they confessed, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel was serving as a leader of Israel at Mizpah. When the Philistines heard it, When they heard that Israel had assembled at Mizpah, the rulers of the Philistines came up to attack them. And when the Israelites heard of it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. So they said to Samuel, do not stop crying out to the Lord for us that he may rescue us from the hand of the Philistines. Then Samuel took a suckling lamb and sacrificed it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf. And the Lord answered him. And while Samuel was sacrificing, it's like a a Hollywood movie. Israel's gathered. Samuel is sacrificing. The Philistines are drawing near to engage in battle. But that day the Lord thundered with a loud thunder against the Philistines. And threw them into such panic that they were routed before the Israelites. The men of Israel rushed out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines' Slaughtering them all along the way to a point below Beth-kar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen. He named it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Say "Ebenezer." Ebenezer. The word Ebenezer means a stone of remembrance. So the Philistines were subdued. They stopped invading Israel's territory. Throughout Samuel's lifetime, the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines. I want you to picture what's happened here. Israel has now, after 20-some years of oppression by Philistine, they have finally won their freedom. In a dramatic moment, in an epic showdown, Samuel gathers the people and he says, here's what we're going to do. Before we leave this battlefield we're gonna build a monument to the victory that the Lord has given us in this place. And they constructed this monument and, and Samuel called it an Ebenezer, which means a stone of remembrance. And he said, in this place, the Lord helped us. Why, why did he do that? If you read the Bible, especially the Old Testament, you see that it was very much in God's heart that the people would remember victories that God had won on their behalf, that they wouldn't forget, that for generations, the stories would be told. So you can imagine many, many generations later, Samuel's gone, Eli is gone, Hophni and Phinehas are gone. These are now old stories. They're legends. The Bible says that this Ebenezer, this monument, was built on the road between Mizpah and Shen. This was the path that every Israelite was going to walk once a year on the way to Jerusalem for their annual pilgrimage. You can imagine a family walking along the road and a little boy looks and he sees this strange looking formation that's built there in the field he tugs on the coattail of his dad. He says, dad, what's that? And the father will say, oh son, let me tell you a story. The family will stop their journey and they'll pull off for a picnic on the side of the road. The father will gather the children around and he'll begin to tell them stories. And in wide-eyed wonder, they'll listen to the tales of big fat Eli and his bad boys, Hophni and Phinehas. And they'll learn the stories of sweet little Samuel who heard the Lord speak to him in the night. And they'll hear the story of Health. the Philistines were about to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. Samuel was offering the sacrifice. And Israel repented of their sins. And the Lord thundered against the enemies. And they were routed all the way from Mizpah to Shen. Why did Samuel want these stories to be told generation after generation? It's because he knew that one day in the future, Israel would find herself... Once again, under the boot of her enemies. He knew that one day Israel would be oppressed again. Surrounded by enemies again. Entrenched in sinfulness and idolatry again. But they could look to these monuments. They could look to that Ebenezer and they could remember what God did for them in that place. And they could know with confidence that if God would help them in that moment he would also help them in the future. If they would humble themselves again, if they would call upon the name of their God again, he would help them again. Hallelujah. You know, as I walk down memory lane through the journey of my own life, I pass many places along the road where I look and I see and Ebenezer, it's a place where God helped me. I was driving a couple of weeks ago. I was, I was going to Tampa. I used to live in Tampa. Our first church we planted many years ago was in Tampa. And I don't go that way very often. So there's places that have memories for me. And I, I passed one spot where something interesting happened to me. I... I was in my my early 20s. I had started an evangelistic ministry called Cover the Earth. I had a couple little kids at that time. And of course, you know, when when you're starting from scratch, things are difficult. Finances are tight. And we had this old car, and the air conditioning didn't work anymore. And two little kids in the back, one of them in a baby seat. And I was driving down the road, and suddenly I, I felt something going wrong with the car, and there was a big... Like bang, a big explosion, explosion sound. Smoke is pouring out of the, the hood of the car. We found out later that the car threw a, a, a rod through the engine block. I pulled over to the side of the road, and I got out and I walked into the ditch. And it was one of those moments of frustration. I said, "Lord, I'm doing everything you've asked me to do, and I'm now I'm stranded on the side of the road. Two little kids in the back seat of this car with no air." In Florida. And while I'm standing in the ditch on the side of the road with God as my witness, my phone rang. I answered the phone. It was Reinhard Bonnke. He said, Daniel, the Lord spoke to me. He said, you need a car. said, I'm sending money to your account right now. Go and buy a new car. I drive past that place a few days ago and I look and I don't see a ditch. I don't see just a shoulder on the side of the road. I see an Ebenezer. I see a place where God helped me. I could take the rest of your day telling you Ebenezer stories. Does anybody have any Ebenezer stories? I tell you, I have more Ebenezer stories from the last 12 months than in the rest of my life combined, I think. It's been a year of battles and victories. It's been a year of trials and tribulations. But how many of you know, even when you're in the fire, there's a fourth man in the fire with you. And he's going to walk with you. He's going to keep you by the hand. And this battle that you're in right now, I promise you, the same God that delivered you before, the same God that delivered you from the lion and the bear, he's going to deliver you from this Philistine. Say amen. Amen. Remember the purpose of the Ebenezer. It's not just to look back and reminisce and think about the good old days. It's to know that you can be sure that the God who has saved you thus far, hitherto hath the Lord helped us. That's an old English way of saying, up to this point, up until now, God has helped us. Why is that important? Because if he helps us so far, he's going to help us in the future. If he helped us last year, he's going to help us next year. And the year after that, And it's going to go from glory to glory. The path of the righteous is like the noonday sun. It grows brighter and brighter to the perfect day. You may not see it right now. But I promise that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Eddie, worship team, come back. And so as we stand here this morning in this room in Olympia High School, if you're watching this video 50 years from now. This is a high school auditorium. It's too small. There's people sitting on the back walls. There's people out in the foyer that don't have seats. And after going through a year of hell on earth, we can say with confidence, the Lord is with us. Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. And Nations Church, listen to me. The battle's not over yet. There's lots of battles to come. We're going to fight battles until we... Until we hang up our swords and rest our feet in the river of life. But in every battle the one who called you is faithful and he will do it we're going to sing this song in a moment you know that song the goodness of God I was telling you know I led worship a few weeks ago I was telling the team when I, when I lead this song I can't think about the words because if I think about them I can't sing anymore. But you know, we are an evangelistic community. And I think it would be completely, please don't leave the room right now, folks. If you're moving around, this is the absolute worst time to do that. It would be very out of character for us to leave this one-year anniversary service without... Leaving the 99 and going to the one. And you say, Well, Daniel, how do you bring an altar call into a message like this? Oh, it's easy. You know how I bring it in. All I have to do is remind you of the greatest Ebenezer that was ever built. It wasn't made out of bricks and mortar, it wasn't built out of rocks, it was constructed with bones and flesh and blood dripping off a wooden cross. It was an Ebenezer that God himself constructed. The ultimate symbol of the heart of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him Would not perish but have everlasting life and the apostle paul says in romans chapter 8 he says what should we say to these things if god is for us who can be against us he who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all how shall he not with him also freely give us all things let me tell you what paul was saying he was saying if you've ever wondered whether or not God is for you or against you. If you've wondered about God's goodwill for you, I'm going to settle the question in your mind forever. Here's how. If he would do this for you, if he would give you the only thing that cost him anything, his only son, then I can promise whatever else you need, it's nothing. He'll give it to you. He'll be there for you. He'll save you. He'll redeem you. He'll deliver you. He'll set you free. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask, is there somebody here this morning? You are a prodigal. You're away from the Lord. Maybe you've never known the Lord. Or maybe you've strayed away. Your heart has grown cold to Him. This would be an amazing moment right now. The perfect moment to build an Ebenezer in this room. To build a monument that forevermore you'll look back to this day and remember that was the day that the Lord helped me. That was the day that the Lord saved me. That was the day that the Lord changed my life. That day can be today. If you would say, Daniel, I need to be born again. I need my sins washed away. I want to become a child of God. I want today to become the first day of the rest of my life. I want to see your hands all over this place. And I want to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, I want you to do something. We're gonna, yeah, come on, put your hands together for them. Listen, I don't want, I I want this to be a day that you remember for the rest of your life. So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. I want everybody who raised their hand to get out of your seat and just come stand right here. I wanna shake your hand. We're gonna pray together and this is gonna be day to remember an ebenezer day for you an ebenezer day for you come on don't hesitate don't wait come not too late. You can still come. I can't, I can't leave this alone. I'm so sorry. I am a pastor, but at the end of the day, I'm really an evangelist. You got to forgive me. Okay. So here's what I need you to do. I'm recruiting all of you today. You're going to be my fellow evangelists. When I tell you now not now. When I tell you, you're, everybody is going to turn to the one on their right and their left and you're going to ask a simple question. You're going to say, do you need to be down there? If they say yes, take them by the hand and bring them. Do it right now. Turn to your right and your left. Say, do you need to go down there? If they say yes, just take them by the hand. Push your arm around their shoulder. Come on, put your hands together for these ones that are coming. Thank you Jesus. We're going to pray together in a minute, but I I just want to like bask in this moment even before we pray. And I just want to thank the Lord for his faithfulness. Can we do that? Can we sing? Oh my life, you have been faithful. Come on, just tell him. Oh my life. Oh my life. You have been so with so every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God. Every every voice sing it out to the Lord. All my life you have been faithful. All my Oh, yeah. that I, made, oh, I will sing for the goodness of God. <laughs> that bridge your mercy is running out your goodness is running out you know he's chasing you guys down you know that you can't outrun him you can't outrun his love surrender I give you everything your goodness is running everybody lift your hands we're all going to pray this prayer together in support of the ones right here in the front praying for the first time are you ready say Jesus thank you for running after me thank you for loving me when I didn't even love myself thank you for your grace thank you for your mercy Jesus Christ son of David have mercy on me forgive my sins save me now I surrender my heart I surrender my life everything that I am everything I ever hope to be I give it to you, Lord Jesus. Take this little life. Use it for your glory. Transform me to be like you. As of today, I belong to Jesus. And Jesus belongs to me. I believe it. I receive it. And I confess it. In Jesus' name and everybody said (laughs) come on altar workers come on out here those of you that have come forward please do not leave before one of our team members has been able to come to you and pray with you and give you this book it's called now that you're saved it's going to help you to take the next step in your walk with Jesus and we want to get to know you, you're part of the family okay, this is not the end of the journey, this is day one the rest of your life is yet to come the best days i promise now i think it would just be appropriate here as we close out this one year celebration of nations church can we just worship the lord for his goodness and his faithfulness to us as a church family but also to us as individuals come on let's just worship him lift your hands come on just thank Him, love Him, worship Him